So in this episode, I'm going to share the time that I died on a mountain in a Buddhist monastery in Nepal while searching for Shambhala. I'll see you in the episode. So the big question is this, how do we live in more sustainable and regenerative ways? How can we tap into the ancient secrets of living in harmony with the sacred nature of life? How do we embody the interconnected web of life that thrives in abundance within each of us? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers. My name is Craig Hubbard, and welcome to Shambhala Living. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Shambhala Living podcast. So on today's episode, I'm going to share the time that I was in Nepal searching for Shambhala. And I found myself in a Buddhist monastery facing my death. So it was 2008. I had Isaiah. I had a one-year-old. I was living in Shambhala 1, that I call it. And I had an opportunity to go to, to Nepal. And I'd already had... An experience with the concept of Shambhala. I'd read a few different books and perspectives and I was in love with this concept, this magical way of living, this place that we could potentially visit in real life but also to uncover and grow into internally and a way of living. This opportunity came and it was with my best friend Pete Russell and my business partner and it was to go to build earth domes uh, up with the organization Cal Earth. And it was building these earth domes in, in an orphanage. So it was for a month. And there was a donation uh, part of that and then a time donation as well. So we, we went over there and we were there for a few weeks building these earth domes, which were amazing like that. The, the way these earth domes are built is so revolutionary. Of They're so strong, so simple, so cost-effective. They can be built anywhere. And I've had a dream to build one on the farm. I haven't yet brought that to fruition, so look forward to bringing that to fruition one day. But the, the story today is happened after I'd finished with the orphanage and then we had an extra week to go exploring so we split up and uh, I went on a trip to towards Mount Everest into the to the mountains and I had this personal journey that I was on to to go looking for Shambhala and I I kind of understood that Shambhala is mythical it's and there's like stories that it can be found somewhere in the Himalayas, but I I kind of didn't believe that. But I was on this journey anyway, looking for Shambhala within me, and to go to the place where the story originates, it was it was such a a, um, a wonderful opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So I booked a flight to to go from where we were in. Kathmandu to ride up to the to as far as a plane could go into the to the mountains and then I walked from there I had my backpack I was on 
on my own and there was just one track and it just led towards Everest and it was a several day journey and I was stopping in at places, little um, little little farms like on the side of the mountain, carved into the side of the mountain, just absolutely breathtaking and, and amazing to see the way that the villagers were living in relative poverty but with so, such abundance as well in terms of their joy, their smiles, they had food, they had their family and it was, it was really inspiring as well. I'd been walking for probably five days and I'd been, each night I'd stay at a little inn or a little, little uh, village place and, um, and spend the night and have some, have some soup and have something simple for dinner and then start walking and I'd be walking all day. I got to uh, the, the last kind of village before we ended like then before you kind of get right up into the to the to the base camp area which I I wasn't prepared to go all the way to base camp because I just had some hiking boots so I wasn't ready to go into snow and ice and everything like that so I got to Namche Namche Bazaar which is this amazing town up so high in the mountains and there was this little, um, you know, little places you could stay, and um, little trading center where there was some fruits and vegetables, and the and the villagers and the tourists would gather, and they would, you know, have a marketplace, and then everyone would get their supplies to to make their way up towards Everest. And so I was on this spiritual journey, this this inner, inner journey, and I went walking one day I'd heard that there was this monastery hidden up this mountain off the off a side track and there was this cave that I'd heard about and and I'd read about some things like that and I was like oh is that I think that that's something lit up inside me I was like that that's where you have to go it wasn't on the track towards Everest base camp so I was like all right well I'll spend today looking for this this little hidden monastery. I went walking and the, the directions were, you know, go go around this bend, go down uh, past this waterfall, go over there, go, you know, 5Ks this way, get to a really tight bend and then just walk directly up the hillside. So I, you know, I did all the things that that had written that were written down from someone that I'd met in Namche Bazaar. So I got to the place where I thought, all right, I believe this is the spot where now I just head directly vertical. And I looked up, I couldn't see any monastery, any sign of life. It was just rocks and and shrubs and and really steep terrain. But I trusted it was like this feels like the spot that um, she was talking about. So I started to walk up this track, and it took probably an hour of just walking up this mountainside. As I got further, I could start to see the Tibetan peace flags. So I, I thought, okay, there's something up there, and I got further, 
and and I, I found this this monastery, this t- tiny little monastery, and I there was a little garden out front and a, and a little spot that uh, looked like where where the monks would would gather, and I yelled out hello, anyone here? And and I couldn't see anyone or hear anyone. It was just deserted, just this one tiny little uh, monastery. And I, I'd turn around and I'd see the mountains on the other side and the ravines and it was just quiet. And I, I walked towards the front door of, of this place and and opened it and there was there was two monks inside, a, a lady, a, an older lady and an older man. And, and they, I thought... I disturbed them. I thought, oh, they're going to be freaked out of who is this person just disturbing their peace because there were certainly no signs of like, come this way and and you'll be welcome. I knocked on the door and, and opened and met met this first monk and they had this big smile and they welcomed me in and I I sat they sat me down and there was this little this fire going and this big cauldron sitting over the fire this black cauldron and and one of the monks was was stirring that up they brought me a tea and this tea that they brought it was just so delicious my body just soaked it up I don't know what it was but it was just so amazing it was it was like this elixir and I I I drank it down and then they there was no English they didn't talk English and and I didn't talk their language so we were, it was all smiles and kind of um, motions so they were motioning do you want another tea and I had a big grin and said thank you yes please and they brought me another tea and I expected it to be the same tea and it was a different tea and it was it was just like this magic like it was exactly my body what my body needed and and it was the like the first one was sweet the second one was buttery and sa- savory or salty but just it was like dinner and tea and everything all together and i felt so nourished in every fiber of my being up until this point I'd been alone for for a week walking not talking to anyone other than the people I stayed with who didn't speak English so I I felt quite alone and and a little bit scared at, at times but I just had this driving force that kept me moving forward towards something that I didn't even know what I was looking for so here I am in this monastery with these two monks who welcomed me with so much love and they there was no questioning of you know why are you here why are you disturbing us and and I I drank this these two cups of tea and they were just it was just medicine for me then they uh, fed me and and it was it, it was something about the fire that that later I'd come to learn about the fire keepers, the, the flame keepers. And when I heard about this this concept of the flame keepers, the, the, the ancients that keep the flame going 
and they've kept the flames going for hundreds and thousands of years. And when I heard the story of the flame keepers, it, it took me instantly back to this place on this mountain in this monastery with these two monks that had this flame burning every time I sat in that little kitchen it was just burning there was it was it was um fueled by uh, yak dung and and so it had this kind of pungent aroma and it was it takes me back there now just so earthy so so comforting just to be in their presence and the the reason the monastery was there on the side of the mountain was it was built around this cave and the cave was there because a monk from hundreds of years ago had had found this cave and and spent a long time living in the cave meditating over time they built this little monastery to um to protect the energy of of this cave and this cave I was invited to to go in and and in this cave this this ancient monk uh, had achieved enlightenment and that was why they were all there to to keep that vision alive and to uh, give a place where people could could go and and tap into this really high vibration that was was in this space I didn't go into the cave that night. They they gave me a place to stay, and it was a really simple room, just a, just big enough for a single bed. I slept there, and the next morning I woke up and and I had some tea again, some yak butter, and um, it was like a soupy kind of breakfast. They invited me to go into the cave. To meditate, and I, it was only big enough for a couple of people, and and there was no one else there, so I got to go in there on my own, and they showed me how to get in, and and then they left me, and and I stayed there. I don't know how long it felt, maybe like a couple of hours. It, I don't know, but I, I lost track of time. The depth of quietness. And stillness was just profound. It took me to this whole other dimension that I can't right now put into words. And I, I feel like the lessons and the feelings that, that came from being in that cave are still emerging today as truths and, and understandings and uh, it was, uh, I, I think what it was, was aligning to the likes of a tuning fork and aligning my energy to this energy that was, was in this sacred cave in the middle of the Himalayan mountains, right up in the Everest region. And it was so profound. After being in this this cave for what seemed like many hours, I finally emerged and felt felt full and like my cup had been filled up and 
I was emanating this this peace and tranquility, and I I had some. I went back to the kitchen. The fire was still going. This this big cold room was still had things steaming, and and they had their peaceful, calm energy. And again, we would. It's no talking, it was just looking and smiling and gestures. And I went back and slept in my my little little space, my little bed. And then ne- the next morning I heard, uh, I was awoken before dawn by uh, some sounds that were some horns and some singing and some chanting. And I went back to the to the monastery not to the to the cave but to this other building that had been built that was more like a, a kind of a, a Buddhist temple or a, a like a, a place where they would come together and gather and and there was other monks that had turned up and they were all in there singing chanting doing their their med- meditation and and I again I I went to the kitchen and they gestured that that you can go and be part of that. So I quietly went into the, the back of the monastery and sat with these monks that were chanting and not singing in the way that we sing, but just these guttural kind of oms and ums and, and noises that were taking them to these deep places so I mimicked as best as I could what they were doing then they would go into these deep stillness spaces and so I would also go into these stillness and and it went on for about two hours they stopped and and had breakfast and they went back to their the the kitchen and and then they they all left so they went back to their 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 little villages or that I, I don't actually know where they went but they they came they did their meditation and then they left and then it was just myself and the the two monks that were the caretakers of of this this amazing little place so i stayed in the in the monastery where the monks had been chanting and and their energy was there still and and i i was left alone I was in deep meditation. I had an experience of dying and and that experience was effectively the the visualization of my death. And it was a an experience that was so profound and so life-changing. I, I started to understand compassion and enlightenment and how they uh, they come together and and how both grief and sadness are part of the whole experience and and that's actually okay to experience these really deep sad feelings and realize that in order to live we need to die first not literally die, but metaf- metaphysically, metaphorically 
die and to bring death to our ego and only then when we're willing to do that can we can we live fully once we accept our death the process was something that I'd done before with with a, my, my friend Pete was this death meditation and and I would encourage you to try it if you're driving then then obviously don't don't do this now but effectively you sit down find a comfy position to sit or you could lay if you if you think you're not going to fall asleep sitting with spine straight breathing just like we would for for any meditation just getting yourself comfortable and then begin to observe where you are in this space and time so just kind of see your body sitting where it is from an but from an outside perspective and then we begin to go through our life from the day we were born and we start moving through the decades or the years and we can move as fast or as slow as we like so i moved sort of in 5 to 10 year spaces and it and i kind of observed the things during those those years or those those periods of years and just little memories or moments that stood out uh certain faces certain uh things that had big impacts so those first 1 to 5 years i didn't have a lot of memory but i've got memories of photos and i i just visualized the reality of being born so being born and coming out through my mum and knowing that my mum loved me and and nursed me and 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 sort of just visualized that and then and then i took myself to the next 5 year period and and i had some memories as a as a little boy and and during this process as you watch yourself as a little boy or a little girl there's there's this sense of compassion this this sense of well for me anyway there was a sense of sadness happiness sort of this this interesting mix um of uh, a word that that a friend jiro um shared with me ecstasy which was this kind of ecstasy and agony together that was this sort of mix of what i come to understand is compassion of seeing the child that is no longer there anymore and feeling sad for that and seeing all the love that my mother my father had given me and seeing the fights with my brother and sister and then seeing myself go through school and seeing myself being a teenager and being awkward and shy and then going into to to kind of mid teens and be learning martial arts and becoming a black belt and having these pivotal changes in my life and then becoming a young adult and and being a magician and bringing all the things that that had in my life and then starting businesses and and then moving through till where I was and at that point in my life I was um this was 
a good 10 years ago, 12 years ago. So I was 29, I, I believe, at the time. So there I was as a 29-year-old, all the, the life that brought me to where I was now or, or and I'm so if I was doing it today I would I would bring myself all the way to sitting here talking on this podcast keep going in your visualization there's no right or wrong way we're just moving through it in chunks seeing the good the bad the ugly the whole lot just the the bits that stand out acknowledging them and seeing that life and being grateful for all of the experiences that led to you being here right now listening to these words for whatever reason and then this is the part that gets kind of interesting then we start going forward in our life so we keep our eyes closed keep the mental imagery moving and we progress further we we let the decades roll on and we don't have to have too much detail here because you can. You could have, you know, seeing the things if you if you see family and then see. So I, I saw my family. I, I had one child and I saw another child. I didn't expect to have another child, but I, I saw another child in there. I saw a, a little girl and I saw these two children growing up and... And then I saw myself getting older and then the, the sadder part would come and I, the process that I have done is that you would visualize your death, that you know that you're going to die in 12 months. And then we would start counting down the months. So what what happens in 11 months and sometimes... So what, what do you do? What are you spending? How are you spending your time? Maybe you're still working. Okay, maybe now 10 months is going. Now six months, what are you doing? And I would start to see the things that I would let go of. of okay, I'm no longer having desire to work and um, no longer wanting to do some of the things that I wanted to do. And then other things would take priority. I want to be with family. I want to, I want to be in nature. And then we would get down to the, the last month and then it, the questions of who are the people you want to see, who are the, 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 what are the things you want to do, who are the people you want to say things to, what are you going to say and have those visualisations of those conversations. So in my last week, it, it became quite sad and... Um, and and I was seeing this in, in like detail in my mind's eye. Within that last week, it was about wanting to be with my my family, my my immediate family, but also preparing to be on my own and just being with my kids and my partner at the time. So I had I remember this really intense time of saying goodbye to my mum, my dad, my brother and sister and I I saw them all lining up and I was to say my final words to them. My and at this time I'm I'm in my meditation and, and I'm 
crying, there's tears just streaming down my eyes, and I'm I'm saying goodbye to my dad and I'm giving him a hug and you know and this is a visualization that I have control of so I'm moving the process along so I'm not dwelling too long as much as I'd love to but it's the reality is that it's a it's a meant to be a real time like a a real visualization so you know it's happening so I'm on my second last day and and I have the opportunity to say goodbye I want the last day to just be on my own not seeing just seeing my children and my partner so I choose to see all my family and say my goodbyes and and I spend about a minute each on on each goodbye in this, in the visualization time and it was cathartic traumatic you know just thinking about it now and how would you say goodbye to your 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 father your mother maybe they're not they're not with you anymore then you can still bring the people into the visualization that you want to bring in and if there's someone else that is not family you know like really special friends what would you say and maybe there's no words and that's okay but it's a process to go through and to give them a hug and or do whatever you needed to do and so I gave all my family a hug and I said thank you and I and it was like apologies and you know but all all in all the the visualization that happens the mind doesn't know the difference so it's saying goodbye and it's it's coming to terms with it's okay that you did these things, you did that thing, and and you're forgiven, and I forgive, and they forgive, and and there was this sense of releasing of, thank you so much, and 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 I love you, and I'll 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 always be here. I'll be, I will live within you, and and I would see my sister and my brother, and you know my brother and I never were best mates. My sister and I were really good friends. My brother and I won't so much. But it, that was so, you know, it was probably one of the, the ones that I cried the most of saying goodbye and, you know, like, sorry that I I never connected more and and, and I love you. And and then I, you know, I gave him a hug and said goodbye. And, and then, so now I've said goodbye to all my family members and now it's the last day. So who are you going to spend time with on your last day? Who do you want to see? Who do you not? Yeah, who do you want to see? And then, and where are you? Are you in nature? Are you, are you in at home? Where's the comfortable place? How are you feeling? Are you scared? Are you nervous? And now we count down twenty-four hours, and then twelve hours. In six hours, and then the last final hour. How do you want to spend this last hour, this gift of life on this planet Earth, in this incarnation, in this body of who you are? And then, then we take our last few breaths. So just take those last few breaths. If you're if you're just listening for now, not not actually doing the process. That's 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 
probably the better way because you may be driving, but you can still just have these breaths because this is the potent part. This is the part where we actually get to die while we're alive. Not many people get to because when we get to this point and in this, if you actually do this visualization, this death meditation, you'll see that it's at this point that you want to live, that you want to live or that you are so grateful for the opportunity to live and and at some point the bitterness, the scare, the everything has to just drop because it's time now. The time has come to take that last breath and the only way to take it is to take it with without the anxiety, without the and trusting that it's all going to be okay, that it's going to be okay. So take that last breath and exhale and die. But it doesn't end there. The visualization carries on. So you see what happens after you die? The people that are left behind, there's sadness, there's grief, there's joy, there's, there's lots of mixed emotions. But you're still there in some form, in some spirit or some light. And you're in this peaceful space now. You don't have a body to worry about you're still there in this conscious form and you can observe the process of your death and you get to see your funeral you may hear some of the things that people say about you and depending on how much time you you dwell in this part of the meditation then you might hear some of the beautiful words that they say of how much they loved you and how much they love you now and and all of the things that you brought and enriched their lives. And you get to hear that and feel that and see that. And then, then we, f- we finish. But the part that where we finish is we come back to where you are right now here listening or wherever you are when you're when you do this process coming back to be given a second chance to be born again to be alive and start to feel the the skin the air on your skin the earth or the seat beneath your sitting bones taking a breath, taking your first breath after you've had this visualization of your entire death, feeling the gratitude and knowing that all of the things that you wanted to do, wanted to say, you can now do and say those things. All of those people that you wanted to embrace and tell them how much you love them and how appreciative you are of what they gave to your life you now have the opportunity to say that and do that 
and to live fully after having this mental death is profound. So I would so encourage you to to give this meditation a go. And my experience of this was coming through these tears, sitting in this monastery on the mountain and coming back to my body and realizing that I had this second chance and opening my eyes and realizing that I'm still a young man. I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm actually fully alive. And all I wanted to do was ring all my family. And, and I, and as soon as I did get reception, I did, I rang them, them all and, and left messages and spoke to those that I could. And, and I just shared with them just how much I love them. And in some cases I hadn't ever done that before. And, and there was people, friends that had done things for me that seemed so small at the time, but they changed my life and set me on a course for the way, the where I was in those that moment, and and just to be so grateful for that. So that was the the story of me dying in a monastery on a remote mountain in the middle of the Himalayas up near Everest in search of Shambhala and my realization was that Shambhala or this way of being is simply being fully present and when we can die, have a a death of our ego even if it's just this visualization, which we don't want to, we don't want to go through a real death just so we could get to this, so we can have this imaginary visualization death in our mind. It is a real death, and the lessons that come up, the humility, the compassion for our own life and for those that we love, is real. And when we come back and we're reborn and we re- come back to our body, we get to live a second chance and to live again. And from that day, I've lived completely different. And And I think this is something that we could do every couple of years to have a, another chance to, to be reborn and to, to get those lessons again that that only come when we have an experience like this. So you don't need to be on a mountain to do this. The first time I did this was was sitting in in a bedroom and on the mountain was was certainly profound, but the first time I did it in a bedroom, being guided by by my friend Pete, it was was profound. And, and, you know, expect tears and sadness, but also expect something that can only come with the grief and compassion and that is this joy of a new beginning when you are given back the chance to live again and and to I think the biggest lesson for me was that 
life up until before that point was kind of like, wow, did I choose to live? I just am living. And in this moment, I was choosing to live. And that is a profoundly different way of living when we choose to live. So uh, wherever you, you are, then find a, a wherever you can find a, a, a quiet space. I would urge you to, to do this meditation. Do it in the way you need to do. Start from the beginning of your, your life, your memories. Work to where you are now. And then you could go as far into the future as you like. You can see yourself becoming old or you could see yourself dying sooner. But And it's sad as it sounds and morbid as it is experience your death you can experience mine was a peaceful death just in my bed so you could I haven't I don't know if I would encourage a traumatic death but you do what comes up naturally for you but go through the death whatever you believe you could go you know you could go to heaven or you could go somewhere else and but see see a little bit of time after your death and just experience that the life going on and the effect of you not being on the earth and then come back and allow it to be a gift, a rebirth and enter back into your body slowly, coming back through your breath, through the feelings, through the moving of the fingers and just gently come back to life and just sit and and reflect and maybe write some things Maybe take action and call some of the people that you that it may have brought up after the emotions, and let it be you know for anywhere from fifteen minutes to to an hour, like uh, really marinate in this in this experience because it's um, it can be profound. So anyway, that's the story of of me going to Shambhala in or in this search for Shambhala, but actually finding peace and life in this experience of death there's a story about the book of there's a the tibetan book of living and dying i'm paraphrasing the name and even the story here so but effectively it's about it's when we die that we get to live choose to have that death now before the real one comes because the real one is going to happen like that's that's what makes this so profound and so real is that most of us live like we're never going to die therefore we don't say the things we want to say or that we would say if we actually came to terms with I'm mortal I am on a journey as an earthling and I'm going to die and just even acknowledging that is a is hard and is sad and I think that's where the compassion comes is like there's this there's this realization of suffering in terms of we're all gonna die and it's okay. It's gonna be okay. So now how do we look after each other? How do we look after ourselves? How do we love ourselves and how do we live the way we would live? now that we know that and that we've experienced that and we have these precious precious moments that we actually never know when that time will come for us or for anyone else so let's live and and say the things we want to say to those people and 
and live with a kind heart, be optimistic, plan for, you know, plan for, for things to go well, love, be compassionate, empathize, be bold, be grateful for this life. So that's all I've got for this episode, a really intense experience that I've that I had back then and I I really hope that you you give it a go. If you do then please send me a message and remember that that I'm I'm here for you in spirit and uh, and and physically too. So you can message me on whatever means you can get hold of me. Share with me your story and I, and I'll I'll get back to you and and just know that whatever happens that it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So I will see you in the next episode. If there's someone that you love and you, you would like to share this one, this particular episode or this experience with, then you could send them this or, or, or do your own version and, and then share that with them. And I'll see you in the next episode. I love you and I'm really grateful to have someone on the other end of this because it's really cathartic for me to express this and... And it, it would, it's only because I know you're there that it gives me the opportunity to express this. So thank you. It's an honour to be living on this earth under this moon and sun that's been here for billions of years, but to live alive right now with you, that all of us living are sharing a unique experience that we are the ones that are alive right now. And that window is a constantly moving window. And those that are living now, this is a gift. And enjoy. Bye for now. I'll see you soon. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shambhala Living Podcast. If you enjoyed it, then I'd love it if you would share it with some friends and subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications so you can find out when the next podcast comes out. You can find us at Instagram at Shambhala Farm and also check out our upcoming 12-week food growing course. You can find out more details on our newsletter list or on Instagram. I'll see you on the next episode.